being able to come down here to Wapango every day is pretty special. We're extremely lucky to be where we are. This is Fishtails, a seafood podcast. I'm John Sussman. Oyster farming on Wapango Lake, located on the south coast of New South Wales, is a thriving industry that has been operating for over a century. Wapango Lake is a pristine estuary system that is known for producing some of the highest quality oysters in Australia. The rock oysters grown in Wapango Lake are an oyster which is renowned for their briny, mineral-rich flavour and creamy meat. The oysters are farmed using a range of traditional and modern techniques. Oyster farming is an important part of the local economy on the south coast and provides employment opportunities for many people in the area. It's also a sustainable industry as the oysters help to maintain the health of the estuary system and their surrounding ecosystem. Shane Buckley is a well-known oyster farmer based in Wapango Lake on the south coast of New South Wales, Australia. He is the owner and operator of Wapango Organic Rock Oyster Farm, which has been producing high quality rock oysters for nearly two decades. Hello, my name's Shane Buckley. Uh, I own Wapango Rocks Wild Organic Oyster, located on the far south coast of New South Wales at Wapango Lake. I first moved to Bermagui in the mid-90s, and um, fellow that I lived next door to, he had the Bermagui Co-op at the time, and I wasn't a... I loved prawns and fish. I was never a real fan of, of oysters, going back from my grandfather pulling them out of a jar when I was a child and swallowing them with a snort. It was something that never really interested me. And um, so Joey next door, he he made me have some oysters at Christmas one year and um, I was hooked from then. It was Wapango Lake that they were from and um, just enjoyed them, you know, as a, as a consumer and I'd spent 20-odd years in the job I was in, and um, um, I was an intensive care paramedic with the Ambulance Service of New South Wales, and, um, yeah, it was hard work, a lot of on-call where we were, we were when I was stationed in Bermagui, so we were pretty hard work. So I was playing golf with a fellow... Donnie Ubrine, who was an oyster farmer down here at Wapango, and he played lots of golf and drank beer and giggled all the time. And I said, Donnie, I need to do what you're doing. So um, I said, if a farm ever comes up, let me know and I'll, you know, I'll have a look because I'd fished down here at Wapango a fair bit. So I was familiar with the, with the waterway. And anyway, a, a farm came up next door to Donnie and I came down and had a chat with old Bob, who was who'd been farming here since the seventies, and um, he was looking to get out because he didn't want to have a legacy if something had happened to him. Meanwhile, Bob still lives here and still comes down and still works and still gives us lip every day. And so, yeah, I ended up purchasing Bob's farm. It was a but mainly a Dick and Trey farm back then and um, so began selling caught stick oysters. 
The unique environment of Wapango Lake and its surrounding region is characterised by its diverse range of ecosystems and abundant wildlife. The area is a natural wonderland that provides a habitat for a variety of species and is a popular destination for visitors looking to experience the beauty and tranquility of Australia's south coast. Wapango is one of those jewels, a jewel of an estuary on the south coast down here. The, from about the border up to Wagonga Inlet, which is at Naruma, is probably the best water for Sydney Rock oysters to grow in. It's a bit like the Golden Triangle for Sydney Rocks. It's um, They grow a bit slower, so they're a little bit longer to come to market to a marketable size, but they're just deeper and richer in flavour. So Wapango Lake is a it's a very small estuary. It's only about seven kilometres long and about two kilometres wide at its most. It has one small catchment that comes off a, um, a mountain that runs through National Park. We can see our catchment. Mumbler Mountain is the, the mountain that, that supplies us with our fresh water and um, it's a sacred site to the local Yuan people down here. And we get... Small amounts of inflow down that creek, down Wapango Creek, but we're com open to the ocean all the time. Apparently, 120 years ago, it closed for three days, but I haven't been able to get anyone to back that up yet. Um, so we get a full turnover, a tidal turnover twice a day, and it's quite shallow. So we, it's only like three and a half metres at its deepest. So algal the food that, that the oysters like to feed on um proliferates quite well in the waters here because of its shallow nature keeps the, the water stays quite warm and um lets algae grow really well so Wapango's halfway between Bermagui and Tarthra and it's predominantly surrounded by national parks so our waters are as good as you get. Yeah, we're classified as near pristine. And the only reason we're not classified as pristine is because of the oyster farming activities that occur on the lake. So we're pretty lucky. Our, our water's as good as you get. The Sydney rock oyster is a special and highly prized oyster species that is known for its unique flavor, texture, and appearance. It's a true Australian delicacy and is sought after by seafood lovers around the world and has of recent times enjoyed a renaissance of appreciation by local connoisseurs. I've eaten oysters from other parts of the world. I've eaten other species, uh, which are all lovely, lovely oysters. But the Sydney rock oyster is so unique in its flavor. It's, it's so beautifully rich and sweet and creamy that that just makes them stand out from the other species as far as I'm concerned. Another thing I love about it is that it's endemic, you know. The oysters that we catch on our slats aren't necessarily just from the oysters that are being cultivated in the lake. There's far more wild population of oyster in the lake than there is them that being cultivated. So you know, we're actually catching an endemic animal to this area, and I think that's pretty special. You know, it's it's not something that's been contrived. It's actually wild, and I think that is, you know, 
quite unique and because um, a lot of not not a lot of oyster farming um, communities are able to do that. Um, I think New South Wales is pretty much the only, maybe some in New Zealand, but yeah, I think we're pretty much the only only oyster industry that can generate its own own um, uh, product from wild catch. It's pretty cool, but the flavour is just sensational through those the warmer times of the year, especially now coming up to to the to the royal to Easter. They're just so sweet. They're just amazing. Don't need to do anything with them. You just eat them straight out of the shell. There was a, a, a an event called Rootstock Festival, um, which was about wine and natural wines. And we were a part of the food scene at that festival for about five or six years. And um, I hadn't I hadn't tried it before, but Monty Kaludrovic was there, and he loved our oysters. But he was putting Tabasco on them. I'm going, what are you doing? He said, just try it. And it was the sweetness of the oyster with the the zing of the Tabasco. It just lifted it to another level for me. I'd not done that before, and it was absolutely beautiful. I'm a bit of a purist when it comes to things like that, but yeah, it was that was that was most memorable for me. And um, another thing that was that I had never have thought of. We got tied up with a big whiskey scene, single malt whiskey scene, and ended up being uh, tagging along with a company called Lafroig for a few years, uh, getting around the traps with those guys doing whiskey and oyster pairings. And that was next level, like a smoky peated whiskey with a rich, Creamy Sydney Rock Oyster was just mind blowing. It took me, it took it to another level again. So that was that was an incredible thing to do and great experience, which also um, has left my liquor cabinet looking quite healthy. The changes in oyster farming technology over the past one hundred years has resulted in increased efficiencies, productivity, and sustainability, while also improving the quality of the oysters produced. Shane Buckley has been at the forefront of adopting new technologies in oyster farming, always with an eye to maximising the quality, not the quantity, of his crop. The, the, the basic premise of what we do now is we don't have too much in the way of fixed infrastructure in the lake bed anymore. Used to be where like the, the catching area was always post and rail, and we still use post and rail there because we have to fix the, the um, catching medium there, our slats. But nowadays, our, our grow-out infrastructure is um, suspended between two posts. We have floating infrastructure. So the floating infrastructure now moves with the tide and wind, and the old fixed infrastructure used to shade the, the, the bed of the lake. So now with the, the new gear we use, let's light get back to the, to the lake bed. So all of the... the um, the weed beds have regenerated back underneath our leases, underneath where we're growing the oysters. So um, we've actually re allowed the the lake to regenerate back to how it was before they were farming with fixed infrastructure. So we catch now on these on the slats, 
which is which is wonderful because they're infinitely reusable. And we put them out in February, and in, then again in May, because that's the main spawning times for the oysters. Catch the oysters, bring them in, in uh, off the off the lease at about six to eight months after catching. Strip them off the slats and put them into tumblers. A tumbler is a, a, a like a bag or a basket that's got floats on it attached to a fixed line, and they rotate around as the tide comes in and out, um, which allows the oyster to shape up into a nice deep cup. And um, we have them in there for about 12, 18 months. Then we've got this new infrastructure called Flip Farm, which is really revolutionising the way that we cultivate oysters because the manual side of it's taken out in a big way. It's good bulk oyster storage and we can put the oyster out and bring the oyster back in in bulk bins, which has just really changed how much our labour on the water is expended. And the, then from Flip Farm, we go into floating bags and then from there we go to harvest. So we store oysters in, in floating bags um, until we're ready to sell them, which just happens on a, on a weekly basis. Certifying an oyster farm as organic can present unique challenges due to the nature of oyster farming and the certification requirements. One of the main challenges is ensuring that the oysters are grown in a natural, sustainable environment. This can be difficult to achieve as oyster farming can be impacted by changes in water quality, weather events and natural predators. For Sydney Rocks, I'm the only certified organic, well, we have the only certified organic farm anywhere because well, the Sydney Rocks really only grow here in Western Australia and some in New, in New Zealand. Um, so yes, we are. We're the only certified organic Sydney Rock oyster farm. It was a hard slog. We had a lot of work to do. Um, we purchased another farm, which was Don's farm, who first introduced me to oyster farming. Um, in 2012, and we bought the first farm here off Bob in 2006, and re I'd realised pretty quickly that the whole tar thing was no good for anything. And um, so I set about pulling all of that infrastructure out. And while I was doing that, I was, had this thought: okay, there's no, there's there's benchmarking for cultivation of oyster but there's no real benchmarking on ecological sustainability for oyster farming. And the only way I could really see that that could be done was by becoming organically certified. So I first investigated the, the certifying bodies in, a, in the country. So um, after having a look at both of the standards for the two bodies, I chose one and approached them with the idea of becoming organically certified. Um, because it hadn't been done before, there were no standards in Australia for certification. So the body that I chose to go with, which was Australian Certified Organic, um, had to actually establish the standards to certify us against. Um, so that was pretty groundbreaking, pretty exciting. We had a 
lot of input into what it is that we do. They used a lot of they used a couple of overseas models that they could um, um, produce the standards with, and. So while all of this was happening, which took some time, obviously it takes a while for them to get standards written and then be accepted, we'd already started pulling the farms to pieces. We, uh, as I said, the, the stick oyster that was dipped in tar, we, we stopped that immediately. I sold all of the caught stick oysters off that I could because I didn't want to have to deal with it. I mean... The caught sticks start cut that were tar coated. A lot of the time, they were just burnt. They were just incinerated. So black plumes of smoke going up in the air, and this was this was established norm, um, which I really couldn't see how we could call ourselves a sustainable industry if that's what we were doing to get rid of our um, used infrastructure. So. Set about getting rid of all of that gear. Had had started to implement a small amount of catching material to become to to move over to into single seed oyster. So it took me about six years to completely convert the farm into what is now certified organic. By the time I'd approached the certifying body and they had their time to get the standards written. I'd been practising as as I would be assessed as being certified for three years. So when it came to becoming or, or getting audited to become certified, there's normally a three-year phase. You've got pre-certification and then two years of pre, um, pre-certified then you become certified organic. So we, we because we'd already been practising that way, we had evidence of that, the body said, okay, we need you to go through one year of full pre-cert, then we will audit you again, and if everything's done, you can have one year. So we, we went from what we were expecting to have a three-year lead-up to certification to being certified only after one year. So that was pretty exciting, but it was a... There was a lot of work. We had, you know, 30 acres of water that was filled with post and rail with treated pine and and tarred dip materials. So fortunately back in the day, local land services were offering assistance to farmers that were, you know, getting rid of old infrastructure, moving into more modern infrastructure. So we applied for a number of grants and got dollar-for-dollar grants to help remove that infrastructure and then also to dispose of it in a um, in a manner that wasn't burning. <laughs> a lot of tip fees and unfortunately went to landfill. There was, wasn't much else we could do with it. Um, so, yeah, long journey um, for what I believe to be a great outcome. A typical day for an oyster farmer can involve a variety of tasks related to managing their crop, markets and staff. While the specific tasks may vary depending on the season and the needs of the farm, the farmer must be prepared to handle a wide range of responsibilities in order to ensure the success of their business. Now, you know, we're at a point where I've actually got some fantastic help on the farm, so I've got some couple of 
full-time employees that do all the the back the hard work that we have to do nowadays so for me it's more nowadays I, I come down I go out I check the young oysters I have a look at the slats to see how they're going depending on the tide it's because I'm fortunate enough to have water in leases from the very back end of the estuary right down to the very mouth of the estuary so I'm able to utilize the lake in a number of different ways for growing different age oysters and then for fattening so I get out and about and check all of the leases check what's happening with the oysters in the bags um, have a look at the growth rates work out what what it is that we need to do I mean there's nothing better than sitting on the side of the boat because our boats are open sided boats we don't have gunnel and um, sitting on the side of the boat the morning like today you know it, I'm looking out there the water is just not a ripple on it it's a mirror open up a bag you've got the knife in one hand grab an oyster out pop the lid and it's just as fresh as you get nice and crisp and clean so yeah it's, it's pretty special for me, it's been 17 years that I've been at it now, which is only a short period in the long, in the big scheme of things. But um, to look out from now, I'm looking out of the office through the mangroves at our leases, and it's just, um, it's a, it's a great thing. I spend a lot of time with the customers. I talk to the customers a lot. There's a lot of. Um, um relationship building and and continuation of relationship i've got a couple of awesome people you know in sydney and melbourne that we're always chatting about what's happening with the oysters and um so yeah a lot a lot of time a lot of time on the phone a lot of time planning a lot of time refining the systems that we have in place nowadays because it's so different and it's ever-changing because the infrastructure is new, the infrastructure that we've got, we're starting to, to learn how to maximise. So, yeah, um, heaps of planning, heaps of – because we've always got four years of crop in the water, so there's a lot to look at. There's a lot to, to manage. So, yeah, I'm now a bit more of a, a desk jockey than I used to be, but – um. Always peeking over the shoulders of the guys to see what they're up to. Moving oysters around the estuary is an important practice for oyster farmers as it allows them to manage the growth and conditioning of their oysters throughout the year. By carefully managing the location and conditions of their crop, farmers can help to ensure that their oysters are healthy, flavourful and market ready. We've kept a lot of data over the years and Yes, it is. It's about moving the oysters around and at, at, at particular times of the year, um, areas uh, are beneficial for different aged oysters. So we're, we're lucky enough to have our infrastructure, because we use three types of infrastructure, we're lucky to have that in the back of the lake, the middle of the lake and the front of the lake. So at the at one time, the warmer water time of the year like through now until until say july we have the young oysters just going off it's not it's growing so much so we move it around to make sure it stays within a really good food zone and then whilst we're harvesting which we create it with there's a season we created a season because i don't like selling oysters when 
they're lean. A lot of people like lean oysters, but for us, you know, our product is is a, a plump, you know, fat oyster. So, yeah, we chased that around the lake as well, different times of the year, like toward through through the cooler times of our season, we put the oysters further down near the front because the water at the back of the lake is a lot cooler than the oceanic water coming in, so there's more food in that water. So, yes, we do. We move the, the oysters around the lake all the time, um, which, you know, when, when, you, when your crops are getting bigger, um, it's a fairly, uh, fairly arduous thing to do because, we've, you know, there's a lot of oyster to handle and a lot of oyster to move. When an oyster's young, you're handling it a lot because it's growing so rapidly, especially through the warmer months. So you might be handling them once every six weeks during the, the, the first 12 months of, of the oysters being off the slat. And then once they get a bit bigger, you're not handling them as much because they slow down a bit. The oysters, once we get them into flip farm, we're thinning them about, because it all depends on your stocking densities in the infrastructure that you're using. So if we have our stocking densities right, then we're handling them about once every four months and the same with bags. So over the time, uh, because we generally sell at about four years of age, between four and five, um so yeah you're looking at a fair bit as i say i'm I'm not in i'm not i'm not that keen on finding out exactly (laughs) selling oysters directly to restaurants can be a complex task for a farmer requiring a combination of marketing logistics and quality control skills however for farmers who are able to establish strong relationships with their customers and deliver high quality sustainably farmed oysters the rewards can be significant. We're our own wholesaler, so we sell direct into restaurants. Um, I don't allow our brand to be handled by too many people because there's too much opportunity for us not to to be realised for what it is that we are. So when we sell direct into restaurants, I obviously they come to us now um, because our name is out there. People recognise us for the quality and and the sustainability of our business. So the the customers absolutely love it now. When I was first, you know, canvassing, because there was a lot of lot of legwork getting around, a lot of getting the good food guide and going to a number of restaurants and eating there and which was great. And um, having a chat with the restaurant tour and you know, see if they wanted to buy direct from the farm. There was a lot of initially some scepticism about being certified organic, but once they understand what's happened and the process and the way we husband our oysters and what it is that they receive when after they've placed their orders, it's um, they love it. They love what we've done. It's 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 actually absolutely lovely to have these relationships now. There is so much movement towards provenance of product nowadays that i guess we we got into that scene when it was first um blossoming and now the the it's absolutely what they're looking for the people are looking for that story people are looking for that 
the understanding of where their product has come from, why it is what is it is as good as it is what as it is, and you know it's it's availability. So yeah, look, it's it's absolutely amazing now the appreciation that we get for you know doing what we do in in a great way. Winning awards at Sydney Royal Show Aquaculture Competition and other shows can have significant benefits for an oyster farmer like Shane Buckley as it can help to boost their reputation, attract new customers and build relationships in the industry. It is a testament to their commitment to producing high quality, sustainable oysters and can serve as a source of pride and motivation for the team of Wapango Rock Organic Oysters. I think we're at 53 from 53, 53 medals from 53 entries into the Royal Sydney Show. Um, Number of Australian um, Food Industry Awards, the Delicious Award. Um, Yeah, so we've we've been lucky enough to rack a few up. And I think for me, it's, it's a qualification for what it is that we're doing. It's for our customers, it's a recognition that our product isn't just something that we claim it to be. It's actually judged by peers and given a, a, a an award of quality that we can take with us to reassure our customers that, you know, we're not fooling around here. This is actually, we're serious about what we're doing. And, um, and it, and it also gives you a bit of a, a bit of a, an idea of where you're sitting with the quality of the product that you're putting out there too. So yeah, look, we we we've been disappointed over the years with the products we put in. Look, I, I think every entry I put in should be gold medal, but um, that's all depends on the judges at the time. And you never know what's in the shell until they get there and open them. So we must be doing something okay because we we've we've managed to rack up a few medals nowadays. So um, very happy, very very good for me to be able to give to my customers. The trend towards premiumisation is likely to continue as consumers seek out high quality, unique, and artisanal products. Oyster farmers like Shane Buckley, who can produce consistently high quality oysters with unique flavour profiles and characteristics from a defined provenance will be well positioned to meet this demand. We're working out what our our capacities are without overstocking on the farm. So we think we're going to reach a, a, a level over the next three to four years that we're going to be really happy with. Um, we've thought about expansion into other estuaries we're just very lucky where we are here. You know, we're waterfront, where everything's at our fingertips. So I can't really see us going too far um, outside of Wapango. The the industry is so strong and so so well regarded now that I can't see us I can't see getting out of it in a hurry because there's there's so much we have to offer moving forward with with our product you know we or if we can offer more of it to people well then 
I think that's what the future is in hold for us is getting a bit more of stock out there, um, making sure that we're up to date with all of the technology and infrastructure changes that are out there to make it more efficient. And look, um, if someone come along with a big enough bucket of money, I might be getting close to retirement. For oyster farmers operating in a pristine environment like the south coast of New South Wales, there is a sense of joy and fulfilment that comes from working in harmony with nature, producing high quality and sustainable food, and being part of a vibrant and supportive community. No wonder Shane loves his job. Uh, look, it's, it's the environment. The environment that I, I live in Bermagui. I drive with the sunset over the ocean, down along a number of beaches. I come over a range and drop down into the little valley that Wapango is in. And the sun's rising in my eyes as I come along the lake edge. There's spider webs in all of the fences glistening. And then I turn into the farm and there we are, waterfront. The guys are here with, in the, and they love it. They're just beaming. So being able to come down here to Wapango every day is pretty special and it's we're extremely lucky to be where we are. I mean, it's, it's just such a beautiful place and such a beautiful environment. The, it's, it's just gold. Um, yeah, I, it, it's going to be, it's going to be a, a, a sad day to not be coming down here every morning and then return trip is beautiful in the afternoons. You pull in at the beach at Cudgee and watch the dolphins play on the way home. Yeah, look, it doesn't get much better, John. I really don't know that, I don't know that too many people are as lucky as this. Shane Buckley is a respected figure in the oyster farming industry and a key player in the local community of the South Coast. His commitment to sustainable farming practices and his passion for producing high quality oysters have earned him a reputation as one of the best oyster farmers in Australia. He tells a great yarn and is a true rock oyster champion. This is Fishtails, a seafood podcast. A deep in the weeds production, I'm John Sussman. Follow us on Instagram at Fishtails Seafood Podcast or email us at fishtailspodcast at deepintheweeds.com.au. Stay tuned for more tales from beneath the surface of the seafood world every Friday on your podcast app.